podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to a special edition of the 1012 Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining me today. You know, sometimes things don't go according to plan. Sometimes, you know, maybe the, the, the two premier teams in your conference decide to bolt for another conference. It basically gives you like a week's heads notice. Maybe you're starting a podcast network built around said conference that is now in dire straits and you have to pivot accordingly. We're doing an interview for one of our episodes, and we're just going to do a short chat about Oklahoma State and where things are for them. And it, and it blossomed from what was intended to be about 15 minutes into 45. And it got me thinking about each school individually. Um, and and what is each school's selling point? And by each school, I mean the eight schools remaining in the Big 12 who are not headed off to the SEC, like Oklahoma and Texas. So for Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, West Virginia, Iowa State, uh, Kansas State, Kansas. What are their selling points? What are they saying to the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC to say, you should also expand and we should be the teams that you bring on board? So we're going to kick this off today with Oklahoma State because this is where this whole idea was born from, was this particular interview with Adam Lunt of the podcast formerly known as Tape Doesn't Lie. Um, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State selling points, so where we think they stand, the, the TV numbers for Oklahoma State, and, and a big topic of discussion for OSU, and that's whether or not to continue the Bedlam series after the Big 12, or at least until after Oklahoma heads for the SEC. Um, he and I both offer our thoughts on that and discuss why Oklahoma or keeping Oklahoma on the schedule could be a selling point for OSU in trying to land a spot in one of these other Power 5 conferences. So we're going to call this series the uh, Sell Me On Your Team or Sell Me On Oklahoma State in this situation. I'm weirdly excited about it and also hate that any of this is happening, but here we are. So we're going to try and do this for all eight teams uh, as quickly as possible before the season starts. We'll see how quickly we are able to get these done. We're starting with Oklahoma State today. Um, I think this is a really good interview. I think it's really interesting and informative. Uh, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. Make sure and hit us up on, on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E, and then we're going to roll the podcast. Hit us up on Instagram at 1012pod. Um, DM us. Let us know what you think. Uh, leave a, a review for us, please. Five stars if you don't mind. Um, and so uh, with, with all that said, without further ado, let's let's get going. Okay, so I, I'm going to just be honest here. When On this show, I do my very best to stay as unbiased towards the teams in the Big 12 as possible. I have opinions on everybody, but that doesn't mean I'm super biased against teams. I try not to be. It's very hard sometimes. I'm going to admit it. Today, I'm throwing that out the window. I'm putting on my orange-colored lenses, and I'm just going to focus on Oklahoma State because they, like the other eight teams who are going to remain in the Big 12, are sitting in a pretty shitty situation. Sorry, Papa. I'm trying not to cuss so much on the show, but it's really hard as emotional as I feel right now. Um, so to come and, and join this conversation... Very excited to have Adam Lunt, uh, formerly of the podcast known as Tape Doesn't Lie. Um, now we're calling him, calling him like our unofficial OSU correspondent because I, I I don't want to be that person because I have to try to stay semi-neutral. Uh, Adam, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, Philip. Nice uh, nice to join again. Uh, rest in peace. Tape Doesn't Lie. I, I, Hashtag as if, RIP. As if 
the Big 12 splitting apart news isn't bad enough. You got to kill the only like top notch <laughs> Oklahoma State. There's like one Oklahoma State podcast left, and I'm I'm just like that's not going to do it. That's not. I need I, I need the, uh, the 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 beautiful medley of 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 you and your co-host in my ears during the season. I was looking forward to taking a break podcasting but this this whole thing sucks me back in <laughs> just so, when i thought uh, i was out it pulls so, me back in yes i was finally gonna get to get some get some time off and a break while well, i like i say time off and done like one podcast in eight <laughs> months so um but anyways thank you for for letting me join and rant and 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 discuss the, the ongoing conference realignment yeah. uh, discussion so, so glad to be here we're going we're gonna to primarily let this be a focus on Oklahoma State because, again, there's not a lot of OSU podcasts left, so it feels like a good place to kind of let let some steam out for both Adam and myself. Adam, Adam, where do you – I guess we'll start here. For Oklahoma State, and we can talk about all the teams individually, but I, where do you, where are you as far as OSU – like where where is your head rat right now? Well, obviously there's a lot of information – you know, out there and, you know, speculation and whatnot. And I, I would point to the fact that it's been what, six days since we found out about this. And, um, you know, we, we've heard some things that OSU was semi-prepared for this um, based off of, you know, uh, I think it was Barry Trammell had an article and then I've heard a few other people mention that, you know, they, they kind of were preparing for this. They knew it was coming, just didn't, they weren't, weren't sure when. So, so I guess maybe they knew about it longer than that, but, but, you know, I think we should probably operate that majority of the heavy lifting has is six days old today being what Tuesday. So maybe this will be out Wednesday. So maybe seven oh, yeah. days. You, then. You've got a brand new so AD, and how a much new, uh, school president who literally both took over this month. So, yeah. Right. Which is wild just to think about like your first month on the job and potentially like the biggest shakeup in, you know, in however many years. But um, nonetheless, like my my personal opinion now in terms of, uh, and I put some of this stuff on, on Twitter about my, my thoughts in general, but you know, it's like, do the conferences want to expand? And then if they do, then, you know, who would they look at? And assuming that they do, and there's interest for the purpose of this discussion, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking for OSU about big 10 and PAC 12. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's for, for me, I'm, I'm not really paying attention to the reports as much because frankly, I just don't think that they're the accurate i'm thinking about more like kind of just adding up the situation like two plus two equals four right where pac 12 is pretty much in a, in a less than desirable situation they need to make an, a, a move here to continue to progress the conference forward um they're lagging behind so it's advantageous for them to be aggressive in the market right now, whereas the big 10 is sitting really pretty, you know, um, ideally you think they would probably want to try to match the sec, but maybe they don't, they don't have to. Um, so I think my energy and focus right now is kind of shifted towards the pac 12, because I think that's probably more likely. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I'd be lying if I told you that the big 10 talk exciting, because, um, I think that's probably the most ideal situation given the, the financial, financial aspect and the stability of the conference. So. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I, I said this on Twitter, you're number one. If, if you can get a big 10 offer, you go, you take it. I have, I have questions about that. <clears throat> I have some concerns about recruiting. Um, but I mean, it, it, 
I don't want to dive into those unless it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, I have some concerns about some of those things, but I'm not going to like, that's the dancer. Like you, you get the big 10 offer, you go to the big 10, you're going to get the most money from that situation. It is almost falling upwards uh, fr- from where you are now, if that's an option. Now, I-, I will believe that's an option when I hear more than just like, well, they've, okay, they kind of talk, well, they've, like, it's so him-haw about it. And like, okay, I haven't heard anything that makes me feel even remotely confident that that's an option. And we know nothing about the Pac-12. I agree on your on your point on them. Um, but, I mean, they're still trying to figure, you got a brand new conference commissioner from them who's been on the job for, like, less than six months. Also not ideal. And... And he had a rough press conference today, by it the way, in my good. opinion. Like he, I don't know if he could send out any more conflicting statements in one press conference. Uh, so, no, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of moving parts. And, it's, uh, and, and you know, tough, tough gig for him, too. I mean, it's first year on the job, and here we are in this. But, I mean, you know, f- he was brought in to fix the conference. And, frankly, it's a pretty good position for him to be in because everything is shaken up right when he can make an impact. So it's, it's, you know, maybe a little bit stressful for him, but there's also a, a huge opportunity on the table. Whereas, you know, eight days ago, there's no way in hell that Oklahoma state would be available to join the PAC 12. Now they are. So I think, you know, with that stress and chaos comes opportunity for the PAC 12. Um, the question is, is did they so want to take play it? off of that? So because, you know, I, look, um, I love the athletic. I do. I read it pretty regularly. I listen to podcasts. I enjoy it. But they do have a habit of finding a narrative that they really like and just hammering, drilling that horse into pulp. Um, and the narrative they are on, and it's the narrative. Oh, my God. I didn't I didn't say this. Anymore. The Big 12 podcast for The Athletic, the one true pod, is something I will listen to about once a month and then promise myself I'm never going to listen to it again because they like to just say things that it's like, <laughs> do you actually like the Big 12 or are you just the same as ESPN where you push these nonsense narratives like saying, well, you know, the Big 12 will probably be in a better position if a different team had won the Big 12 for the last six years instead of OU winning it every year. And I'm like, you guys said shit about the Big 12 all the time when somebody other than Oklahoma was winning it. Let's be honest, Texas sucking has been the problem for the Big 12 for the whole 11 years and they're going to take sucking, say it was us riding their coattails and then ride off into more money. Anyways, um, but their whole thing that man Stuart Mandel's been running about is like, look at these TV numbers are terrible. You're basically the AAC, basically the rest of the eight teams, the Big Twelve, or the AAC. And like, when you push the numbers and the narrative in a certain way, and and using not any sort of data from 2022 or from 2020 is bullshit because you shouldn't use data for 2020 for any sort of thing because it's such a ridiculous outlier. But the whole narrative is like, there's not any value. Like, why would you? Where's the value? And that's the thing I keep hearing. So the question becomes, what is the value of Oklahoma State really? Like, if you're the Pac-12, if the whole point of expansion is to add brands, is add things that will shake things up and bring eyeballs, because it's not a land grab anymore. It's not about TVs. It's about brand names. It's about what is going to bring eyeballs. What is Oklahoma State's selling point to the Pac-12 or the Big Ten? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there. And frankly, I'm glad, though, that people are focusing in on the TV ratings aspect. Like, I'm glad that there's research being being done and and they're evaluating things because, you know, from 2010, I remember just people just talking about the most subjective criteria ever. You know, at least we can go and look at tangible information and be able to draw conclusions. So I'm happy about that. Now, Stuart Mandel's article, I was I was. I read it and immediately just came to mind of like how poor it was put together. Like it's, it's a good process of looking at like two years 
of, of data, but you're not, it's not an all in situation. It's basically the way I see it with the conference alignment is, is every man for himself. Um, so the fact that Kansas or Baylor, for example, Baylor had awful TV last year because they weren't a good football team. Uh, that doesn't necessarily impact West Virginia or Iowa State. Iowa State had great ratings last year because they were really good. Um, so Iowa State can go walk into the Big 12 commissioner's office, or, or I'm sorry, Big 10 commissioner office, and be able to be like, listen, like, you know, these are, um, these are the ratings that we drew, and it had nothing to do with Kansas, <laughs> you know, so so taking some average is just, it's just poor data and uh, analysis, right? Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And I, I saw Matt, Brown, I think it was Matt Brown's tweet about 2020 recently. And my question that I would ask him would be, are people acting differently? Uh, because you don't want to, you don't want to compare TV ratings year over year. I would, I, I would adamantly agree. 2020 is a unique year in the way that things happen in terms of, you know, no fans in the stands and all that stuff. But my question is, is why can't you look at 2020 data on a per team basis and compare them against each other? People didn't act differently team by team, in my opinion. You know, I mean, for example, like if, if in 2020 West Virginia is drawing 1.4 million fans and Iowa State's drawing 2.1, well, that still means that Iowa State was drawing more people in 20, more interest in 2020 so as long as you don't compare year over year you keep within that one crazy year but you know consumer behavior is still driven by interest in that particular year so um i think if whatever way you want to slice the data um barry trammell went back farther than i did in his latest article uh which is more comprehensive for sure um but i think any way you want to look at it OSU has been the number three team in the Big 12 in terms of TV ratings, whether it be the last year, the last three years, the last six years, the last eight years. Um, so I think they can basically go in and be able to, to, to say to the Pac-12 confidently that we're going to be a top six um, team in your, in your conference immediately and TV ratings. Um, and if I'm thinking about when I, when I did a deep dive into the Pac-12 TV ratings, what I found was there was a massive drop-off after like the top three or four. Like if it doesn't involve USC, Oregon, Washington, or UCLA, um, you know, we're going way down. Whereas Big 12, there was a pretty meaty midsection there that was not bad. You know, OSU, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State the last year or two um, did pretty well. So the, there is an opportunity for some of these teams to kind of bolster the middle of the Pac-12 in terms of TV ratings. So I think that's probably the pitch to OSU amongst Texas Tech and TCU and some of the other programs is in the Pac-12 TV ratings perspective, let's stack the middle of the league to where instead of Oregon drawing really good ratings for three or four games a year because the other four are duds, let's get seven or eight out of the nine conference games to draw 2.5 plus instead of, instead of four. So that's, I think that's the main driving argument that I would go in and pitch them as uh, from an Oklahoma state perspective, who as, is at the top of the list in terms of the big 12 teams, in my opinion. Well, not really in my opinion, the data backs it up as well. well and think of it this way. If you have the pack 12, let's say you add, you're going to go to, let's say you go to 16, let's just throw that number out there and you add four teams. 
that you split that up, the question becomes, if you add those four, who are your now your highest TV rating teams? Are they the, the, the current Pac-12 teams you shift over, which would probably be like Colorado and Utah? Are you are you adding more quality games for them? Right? Like, I, I, I get the point of like, they don't move the needle enough. They're not big brands. There's no point in adding them. The, the number that matters, and it's going to be entirely up to the Pac-12 owns their own network. So so who, when they sell that, which I hate, they've got to sell it. I don't know. Anyway. Well, that's got to yes. be part of the deal. They got to, they got to get, they got to sell it. And that's, that's going to be part of it. Fox probably. is the only buyer. If, if Fox. I think Fox the is the only buyer unless yeah, they if... find some like, uh, the ideas of like Amazon and Yahoo and stuff. I think that's 10 years down the line. Like if you really pay attention to what Amazon has done with the NFL, it was a very, very slow process. They put pulled small amounts of things to pull massive data. They wanted the data. They wanted all this data to analyze and look at and figure things out before they ever really started buying in. So this idea that someone, a, a streaming service is going to buy a, a college football conference's rights, like it's going to be a slow process. Like the Amazon would have like, okay, we're going to have like one game a week, maybe one or like four games a season to just start pulling data from that. So for the Pac-12 though, like you've got to, even if you keep your, your, your network, you're not getting new eyeballs. Like you have to, to grow that thing. You need new eyeballs. You need more people to pay attention to it. And, and even if that's packaged with Fox, but the point is like, the only way to do that really is to add more teams. And, and this idea of you can only add brands, there's not brands for them to add. The Pac-12 is not poaching from the Big Ten, the SEC, or or the ACC. That's not going to happen. And if you're the Pac-12, I could almost say, like, you saw what happened to the Big 12. They should have expanded. They should have gone past 10. They never did. They sat on their hands. They stayed in this situation, and it built to this. You could do the same thing. And we're already listening to, to media outlets talking about how the Big Ten should come and poach your teams. It should take USC and Oregon and all these things, which, by the way, geographically makes zero freaking sense whatsoever. But I understand geography doesn't matter anymore. You're going to make that much hand over fist. You can fly wherever you want, right? Like an NFL, We're going to the NFL model, but I don't even care. But it, you can also look at it from the standpoint of, like, you might eventually lose USC and Oregon and all these other teams. If you want a conference that's going to exist in whatever this new age of football is going to be, having a presence in the middle of America is going to be beneficial to you. I just, but that's all sounds really good coming from somebody who wants Oklahoma State to land somewhere. Uh, to me, it's all going to come down to whoever's signing the checks. Does this earn all of your teams individually more money? And this is what I've said from the beginning. You're either you're either bringing something to the table or you're another mouth to feed. If the networks say you're another mouth to feed, they're not going to add you. If the networks say that you are bringing something to the table, by adding you, now everybody gets more money, then welcome. If not, so this is to me where it's up to Fox. Like Fox is going to have to get into the Pac-12. They're going to have to. And so they're going to have to say, hey, Pac-12, go add these for you. Add whatever Texas schools, Oklahoma State, whatever else you want to do. I, I, I don't know what that combination is, but you're going to have to add those teams. You need to do so. We tell you, you probably should, and we'll give you more money. That's what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. So I think, I feel confident that if you would add the the four most favorable schools from the list to the Pac-12, so whoever they choose, whether it be the three Texas schools, OSU or Texas or whoever, that, um, yeah, I, I don't know how all that plays into it. Um, but I do feel confident that if you look at, like, let's say the average TV rating across the conference in 2020 or 2019, if you don't believe 2020 is relevant, 
and then you add the four in, I do think that they raise the bar, right? Um, the question is, is do they raise the bar enough to now divide it by 16 instead of 12 and be able to distribute more money? Um, I don't know if I can, I, I don't, one, I don't know enough about the industry or anything to, to comment on that. And there's other factors in play, but what I do know that, and I agree with you that they, they would need to bring something else to the table, probably even with the additional TV ratings. And I think one thing that is a strategic advantage uh, is to, are two things. One, they would get the PAC 12 network into Texas and Oklahoma, um, which is a small, small needle comparison to TV ratings. Um, I, I actually saw that they're charging 13 cents per sub per month to consumers, uh, which is really small In comparison. For example, ESPN charges 750 a month per sub per month. <laughs> so to put things in perspective, 13 cents for PAC 12 network, 750 for the flagship, but obviously ESPN's, you know, probably the most expensive channel on your entire lineup. Right. But you get the PAC 12 network, I think it's kind of like a two, uh, a two-step process. You get Pac-12 network in more markets. You increase the quality of play and TV ratings, and then you increase your premiums to those same cable subscribers in the new area. So you get more, you get more viewers. And I, there, it's a two discussion because you have your TV ratings of the games, but also you have you're charging the cable companies for the network itself as well. So that's kind of the first step. The second thing I think you add or we bring to the table would be you can win back the 11 a.m. time slot um, because right now you know Pac-12 they're thinking about doing like the 9 a.m. games and stuff like that um, which is just not really practical for 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 college football teams I mean what are you going to wake up at 5 a.m. and uh, especially for travel schedules so if you can be able to get enough teams in let's say central and mountain time zones and be able to get three time slots per Saturday um that Four. could potential yeah potentially I mean, you could literally go from 11 a.m to 30 right so, central time after zone, dark, so four. 11 2 30 7 and then the after dark you could literally have pack 12 network right. on all day during college football and right. that's, that's something i think that that you can't quantify from ratings numbers that now all of a sudden hey guess what we can sit, let, let's say it's not baylor it's kansas state i don't know or Kansas, maybe it's Kansas, whatever. Point is, you add OSU, two Texas teams, and a, and a team from the state of Kansas. All of a sudden, now, hey, guess what? We know every, you can send Washington State to Kansas for a 2.30 afternoon game that's going to be, or Kansas State, because Kansas sucks, a wild game. Like, you can you can start having these interesting matchups during the day that are going to have more of an impact for you in time zones that you don't have right now. I think that adding the time zone is something everybody forgets. And I'm like, the Pac-12's biggest problem is that nobody watches all their games at night. Well, the they funny thing is the commissioner late. was talking about how it was, a, it was an advantage to be the only conference in the PST. And I'm like, that's a disadvantage, to be honest with you. That's something that's not plays to your favor. Uh, but it, it is interesting. Interesting, though, that they could, they, you know, Pac-12 basically owns the late night spot uh, because they're the only games on, right? The problem is, is that's the worst spot to have. So if you, if you add up everything I just said, like, do, I guess the question is, is does it move the needle for the Pac-12 to expand? And my, my answer to that would be they have to expand. They want to exist. And in addition to if you can up the TV ratings in incremental amount, if you can get the Pac-12 network in more households 
if you can improve the quality of play to up the, you know, the status of the league, and if you can win the 11 a.m. time slot, if you add all four of those together, that's a pretty decent pitch to be able to generate enough interest to move forward, in my opinion. Uh, one of any one on its own probably wouldn't do it, but all four, I think, together collectively is something that is pretty intriguing. So, you know, what's really funny to me is, you know, honest to God, I think if, if Larry Scott's still the commissioner of the Pac 12, this is like we're feeling very comfortable about this happening. Because one of the biggest knocks against him was that he just didn't seem to focus enough on football and care about all the other sports. And that's right. to me is OSU's other big selling point is your baseball is quality. Your softball is really dang good. These are other sports that the Pac-12 is quite good at is softball and baseball. Um, from an OSU standpoint, the only thing that suffers really, if you're going to the Pac-12, is wrestling. Because basically the Pac-12 just got rid of wrestling. They're, they're, they're trying to like, well, we're not going to have wrestling anymore. We're going to add it back. Just package it up. You just package it up like they do with the other sports where like um, maybe the Big 12 or maybe some version of the Big 12 stays intact for wrestling or, right. you know, something like that. But uh, I think either way, you're going to lose a sport because, you know, for example, like Pac-12, your baseball team probably could could be just fine. Um, but you you suffer wrestling versus in Pac or in the Big 10 wrestling thrives, but your baseball team struggles uh you know so i mean I, I, there's not a perfect fit um so i think either way there's going to be collateral damage there on, on the sports side so does your team make the cut we're here to decide hey everyone this is jahan j roger from dave gamble's texas football and i'm here to invite you to the brand new college football playoff show cleveland.com columnist doug lay maurice and i talk playoff year round on this twice a week podcast with topics like what does oklahoma need from its defense to rise to the top does iowa state have the best running back of the playoff contenders does texas deserve to be in the conversation to start the year subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on twitter at cfb playoff show all right so let's hop in i want to kind of i want to end on this so this topic and then i'll give you the opportunity if you got anything else you want to throw out um the big topic I've seen, and it's interesting, I haven't seen this in relation to Texas and the other Texas teams, but there's a big conversation about should Bedlam continue between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? Should they make this a non-conference game? And and I think the, previous, the biggest problem I have right now is that that's a question that's very difficult to answer because we don't know what's going to happen with OSU. We don't know how many non-conference slots they're going to have. And their three slots are filled for a while. And you say, well, they can cancel series. It's expensive. I don't know what all the loopholes in are about getting out of that kind of stuff. This is a big topic for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, but I think Oklahoma State more more because it's a very split opinion on this is should OSU want to continue Bedlam as a non-conference game after Oklahoma is in the SEC? I'm curious what you think about this. I know we were talking before we started recording about how I needed to like get my thoughts straight on this because at first when it happened, I was a little conflicted. Um, about things, and I wanted to give it some thought. And and before I answer the question, I wanted to, I wanted to just talk a minute about OU in the sense that my answer um, and my my position isn't one of those people that are really upset with OU and saying how could they do this to OSU and um, why are they doing this and upset. Like honestly, I I think I have the utmost respect for Joe Castiglione. Um, I think that generally this is a good move for Oklahoma. Um, and I think this could be something that can get them over the hump, which I know they've been looking to do for five, six, seven, eight years now. Um, so I don't really have any um, like angst with Oklahoma other than 
you know, just the fact that I'm just disappointed in general. Right. So, um, so I'm not one of those people that are like on the cry, you know, crying on the side saying, I can't believe I could do this, do it. But at the same time, I adamantly feel that, um, that Bedlam should not continue. Um, and I, I honestly don't think I've felt this strongly about something in a long time um, because of, of, of several reasons. But the, the first is, is that o, OU definitely had an opportunity to alert OSU about this situation and put them in a much better position right now than they are uh, currently. Because basically what happened was, is everyone heard the news and then everyone starts scrambling around all eight start making phone calls and then we're lumped in with and I say we're Oklahoma State is lumped in with all the other schools trying to find a new home well if you have a six nine month you know head start on that you can discreetly work through the back channels and and position yourself better Oklahoma had an opportunity to do that and they did not now I understand why they did not um you know they went to great lengths to keep this under wraps they knew Texas A&M would be a problem they knew the, the smoking gun about this whole thing is no one found out until the deal was basically done. There's nothing, you know, that, that is a position of power. So again, I, I, I understand why it happened, but there are consequences to your, to your actions. Um, and just because I understand why you did it doesn't mean that we have to be friends and have a relationship afterwards. You still screwed over OSU in a really bad way. And another thing that, that um, people need to understand for anyone listening that's not familiar with, with the landscape and the culture in Oklahoma is, you know, the, the relationship between OU and OSU is much different than the situation in Texas. You know, it's a small state. You have two large, you know, mid-sized state or, um, universities that have a pretty dang good relationship. You know, when you peel back the rivalry, rivalry layer, you know, th these are administrators and leaders that have good working relationships, long-standing friendships. Um, these are people that work in, and live in the same communities and things like that. Uh, and there were significant amount of promises broke. I'm not going to go into details, but it's ugly. It's not a good situation right now uh, between that relationship. So when you pair the situation with the fact that there was this level of relationship, this level of commitment, uh, this level of promises back and forth and OU had an opportunity to alert OSU about this long ago and they chose not to, that's not a relationship that can be um, repaired. It's, it's done. It should be done forever. Now I, I say forever in our generation. So, you know, things could change in 10, 15 years, but for the foreseeable future under no circumstances, can this series continue? Um, so I'm going to shut up. I know I rambled around, but um, that's that's my thoughts on the situation, and I I feel very strongly about it. I would say this, um, OU fans on social, whatever. It, it there's a certain amount of coming out that feels like OSU is hurt by by what they feel was basically broken promises being and being left in the dark, and OU. The statement that Bob Stoops put out today was very much them using Bob as a way of saying, "Well, you know what? We were tired of of it." Which I've it, never it seen does, a more useless statement, by the way. I mean, thanks, Bob. We really needed that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, that was totally worthless. But that That's Josie anyway. not wanting to have the conversation as opposed to OSU sending, having the president do it and, and, and OU sending out Bob Stoops to be their spokesperson in this situation to keep them hands free. It's smart PR. It's smart whatever. But, you know, um, 
I've thought a lot about this. I talked with uh, Scott Wright of the Oklahoman for his interview, and at, at least I I am of the opinion you need a five year break, um, at least in football. If you want to talk about baseball and soccer and softball and all those things, like I, I would hate to lose Bedlam just because they're they're such a big deal. They're so they're so fun, um, and maybe I'll I'll be okay with all of them after this year. Maybe we'll have a big like you know what this is gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna go all out for Bedlam this year, and then we're gonna take a five year break and then we'll address it. But again, it comes back to you're gonna have to find a spot in the schedule for it. And OSU has a Power Five opponent on their non conference schedule in football every year through like 2030. So either you're gonna cancel one of those, which is never cheap to do, or you're gonna be in a position where you're gonna play essentially two power five opponents, which if, if you're now going to be a, the big 12 plus four AAC teams, that's probably going to be a necessity. But I, I think you need to take a break and let cooler heads prevail and let everybody kind of go, you know what, this is probably a thing we should continue to do. And let's look at, at putting it back on the schedule. But I mean, I think it's okay to not do it for a little while, as much as that sounds terrible and weird to not play each other in sports. I mean, look, A&M and Texas don't play in football. They play in everything else. And I, and I don't, I don't feel like this is a and in Texas. That was a very different relationship than this is. Um, and I think some OU people and fans are a little bit shocked by Oklahoma State's reaction, which I'd be like, why? Why are you, why? Every time an OU person's like, it's a business decision. We get that. But you also understand that there's going to be like reaction to that and you can't get like. The way I, I would just, the way I would describe it is, is you're at a bar with, with your friend. Your friend comes up behind you. And, and, you know, lays a haymaker into the back of your head, you know, a total surprise. And, and basically what people are asking that person to do now is pick themselves up, shake their hand and hold the door for that person as they leave, maybe even pay their bar tab for them, you know? And it's like, that doesn't, no, under no circumstances do any relationships work this way in, in any other part of the world, you know? So I... I've heard a lot about people talking about the financial impact of this, right? And don't get me wrong, I'm totally like knee deep in all the financials and all that stuff. And I, I, I do appreciate the practical nature of that logic, you know, just saying we don't want to lose the money. Uh, that's not lost on me. Um, so I actually went and I was like, okay, how can you actually measure the impact of Bedlam, uh, you know, on, on the financials? And the easiest way is, as well, it only happens every other year, <laughs> right? So I went back and looked at, you know, a lot of people talk about the ticket sales, the concession, that stuff. They charge more for the Bedlam game. Uh, it's premium and all that stuff. And also, too, potential TV revenue. So the TV revenue discussion, first and foremost, if the Pac-12 went, let's say, let's just play this out. Pac-12 goes to 16 teams, right? That's 72 conference games and potentially 24, or I'm sorry, uh, 32 out-of-conference home games, assuming that two of your three out-of-conference home, ga home games, one's away, right? So that's over 100 games. <laughs> 108 games, I think, is the total. So if you're telling me, and, and have in mind that the revenue from those 108 games are going to be divided by 16, so if you're telling me that one game is going to move the needle, let's say even, let's say it has a $5 million impact, just that one game. Well, you're going to take 5 million and divide it by 16. And that's what the financial impact of the TV revenue from Bedlam would be. All right. So that's the first thing. The second one is I actually went back and looked, dug through 
through the financial statements from OSU about 2018 versus 2019. So 2018, no Bedlam at home. That was the game that was in Norman. 2019, Bedlam at home, right? So if you go back and look at the average, you know, the total revenue for ticket sales, concessions, parking, all of it together, there was uh, for a total, um, there was a $1.9 million difference between year over year, right? Uh, in terms of if you, 2019 was six games, 2018 was seven games, but if you average it out, so that's basically $280,000 a game, if you will, but it's every other year. So you're talking about over a two-year period, it's a $1.9 million difference. So that's $980,000 a year. So that's what you're losing, basically, 980k of ticket sales, concessions, all that stuff, plus whatever TV impact it is. So let's say it's double that. So $1.5, $1.8 million impact every single year for a school that brings in $96 million of revenue. That's like 1, 1.5%. That's not enough for me to completely eat my dignity and my pride and, and you know, just uh, throw that away. Now, I will say the one way I would consider it is if the Pac-12 came to, uh, you know, OSU and said, hey, we want you, but we got a package in Bedlam. And, you know, for that reason, um, you know, pride's out the window, no more dignity. We'll play the game, not a big deal to make sure that we can, you know, uh, land on our feet. But that's really the only way I would consider it. And I, I think based off of Dr. Shroom's or Shrum, I'm not pronounced, I don't know how to pronounce it yet, Shrum <laughs> uh, statement, I'm pretty sure we're aligned <laughs> based on yeah. some of the wording there. So Big anyways. 10 or Pac-12 is like, you can come, but you have to play Bedlam. All right, let's fire it up. <laughs> we'll we'll figure that out. I mean, again, yeah. it's it's going to be tricky because you if you go to the Pac-12, or you go to the Big Ten, they only have three non-conference games like the Big Twelve does. So you're going to be reworked. Like it's going to have. There's almost going to have to be a break for a couple of seasons, anyways, because that's that's too quick. I mean, obviously they're going to have to fill that. Yeah, there's going to be scheduling but, issues for sure. But if people, if things, if OU goes to the the SEC starting in 2022, like something could happen. It's either 2022 or 2023. There's there's thoughts on the SEC finally expanding how many games they play because you're going to have so many teams. You're going to have to because otherwise you're not. I mean, you'd be playing the other seven if they go pods. Whatever. The point is, there's there's a very good chance that they just go. Okay, we're going to continue to insulate this, and we have enough teams here that we don't have to play as many games in the Power Five or G Five for TV revenue. We just play our teams here. And so they may cut the number of non-conference games, and that's the same situation. So th- that's the other question I have is maybe that's part of the pitch game. too. Maybe that's part of the pitch of you know we've got two divisions of eight. We're going to do seven in division games. And we're going to do three, you know, and do ten and ten and two, you know, and maybe that's a way. And you can't do any FCS schools or something like that, you know, or you know, you got to get creative. I think because at some point you got to be able to take you got to bridge the gap between what OSU and TCU and all that can bring to the table. And then how do you eliminate some of the, um, like, for example, like, how do you eliminate a, uh, uh, you know, a game that has 400,000 viewers name X game, basically all a Baylor schedule. (laughs) Uh, You know, how do you limit those amounts of games? And there's, they're they're riddled all over the Pac-12 too so it's not just big 12 but the four schools how do you be able to to not only move that 400,000 to 1.4 million or 1.3 million um but also keep all the other ones that are high 
high as well. Like will OSU and Arizona state draw pretty good ratings. Will OSU and Colorado drive good ratings, you know, and I think as an individual brand, you know, those are the questions you want to ask. So I mean, it's not ideal, but, and I understand, I mean, I've, I've written about this. I understand why you schedule FCS. It's about the cost because an FCS game might cost 500 grand trying to schedule rice could cost 1.2 and you're saving $700,000, you know, but I think if you, if you can prove like, okay, we're going to add bedlam because it's going to generate that many more TV eyeballs for us. Like, I think that's a selling point and it's a selling point that's worth, it's a bargaining chip where you have to go to OU and say, look, if we want to patch things up, if we want to make things okay, then let's understand this. We have to keep Bedlam going to be able to do to land this Power 5 team conference. You want the Big 12 to implode because that helps you pay less money to get out of here. So we need to make sure that Bedlam still happens. And- when I think, too, OU, uh, at least everything that I've heard, which I feel very confident in this information is, uh, OU understands, you know, they, underst- they understood what they were doing, right? They knew this would happen. Um, there's remorse there. Uh, it's not enough remorse for them to change their course of action again, because, you know, they had the opportunity to do something and they chose not to. Right. But they, I think actively, they want to make things right. Um, so if there is an opportunity, I think for OSU to land on their feet and OU can help in some small way, I think they will do that. Um, I expect them to do that. Um, the question is, is, you know, will it make a difference? Will it move the needle? Uh, so, for example, is one of the conferences interested in the game, which I'm sure they'd love to have it, but does it matter? Uh, and then if as then at, at that point, basically, and, and they would need to schedule the game, you know, hopefully you'd like to be able to see OU make some concessions to be able if if they're required to make it work. And I think I would expect them to do so. Yeah, I so. agree. I agree. I, I, I believe so too. I, I, I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to take a break or, or you're going to use Bedlam as a selling chip to, to help you get into another conference. Because again, if they're going to be an SEC team now, it's a non-conference game against an SEC team. And I think that carries water. That's ESPN loves that stuff. TV loves that stuff. Games against SEC because everybody wants to see an SEC team lose. And the idea of, oh, you going to the SEC and still keeping Bedlam going, I think that's going to move the needle. Um, one thing that I, uh, one thing I just, this is a re- kind of a random note, but when I was looking through the financial statements that I, I found, um, a lot of times, I mean, uh, media rights are the big topic, right? Like, what are the distributions? Um, OSU actually like parsed out the distributions per sport. Um, so have in mind, like, so for example, the Big Twelve distributed thirty-eight million dollars, but that's for all athletics, and we kind of just make the assumption that most of it is for football, which is obviously the case but we don't know how much and i found that oh and maybe this is different for each school um but OSU allocated 57 percent of the media right uh you know i think at tw- this is 2018 so i think it was 33 million at that time 57 percent to football 19 percent to basketball and 24 percent to all the other sports slash they said non-program specific so I'm assuming maybe there's some other entities there. So basically I think what's that saying is, is basketball from a media perspective is about one third as important to football, which I found, which I thought was interesting. Um, so when you're talking about Kansas, you know, they have a Titan of, uh, of a basketball program, but from a conference distribution perspective, it's one third as important as football, even for Kansas. 
um, just because that's the way the distribution goes. Um, I think the, the good thing about Oklahoma State is, is there's a pretty balanced program there because, you know, with some level of debate, let's say they're the best remaining football program in the Big 12, which I know is up for debate, but, you know, at least top two or, or something like that. An up, a, you know, the basketball program is on the up and there's a good overall athletic profile as well. So uh, I found that interesting, though, because a lot of people try to compare football and basketball, but there's nothing tangible to actually grasp. And they actually allocated the percent, the actual dollar amount to each sport, which I found was uh, interesting. Also, revenue five times higher in football versus basketball. <laughs> so moves, I think revenue moves the for, bus. It moves the bus. I mean, that's, that's the I think revenue was like 50 trillion for, for uh, and this is 2019, 53 million for football, around 11 million for uh, for basketball. So, which Kansas is going to be different because their ticket sales and basketball are crazy. But uh, anyways, of course. so it'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be, we're not going to, nothing's going to happen for a while. I think this is going to be a slow process. I mean, OU and Texas have had basically a year to, to be planning this. The rest of it's not going to get figured out in a week. So um, this is going to be an ongoing a, story. An ongoing I have a quick story. question for you. Who do you think is in worst position of the eight? Um, I came into this whole thing with Kansas State um, because I'm having a hard time coming up with what their selling point is, although their TV numbers are better than I thought. Um, they may have moved up into seventh place, and Baylor may be in last now. Yeah, I, I think for me, I had Kansas State last and Baylor in seventh. Um, I'm going back and forth here because I just – both have some issues. Kansas State just, just doesn't have – you. you your TV numbers are okay, but a lot of, I think, the 2020 TV numbers were you beat Oklahoma, and so people started paying attention even though you got bad. I would really need to see the numbers like as the season progresses for them as they got worse and what were the numbers after OU. Um, Baylor's religious stuff is going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue for the Pac-12. I, I don't I don't know why. I don't see the Big Ten adding them. I remember talk about the ACC. Like, uh, ACC is entirely focused on Notre Dame. If they're going to bring in a Big Twelve team, it's going to be the West Virginia. Like I don't. I think Baylor, Baylor, is in trouble. Even if the Pac twelve expands, I think Baylor and Kansas State are in trouble. And I, I would say Kansas State's in a better spot than Baylor if the Pac twelve expands. I just think I think Baylor at this point. I don't think the Pac twelve is even an option. So I don't know what their option is. Yeah. No, I I think Kansas State. Um, Bay, Baylor's got you know I I unfort it's weird because Baylor is a great fit for Pac-12 athletically you know really great athletic department in in terms of all across the board good basketball they they're um they have some other good programs and non-revenue sports and whatnot um but obviously a culture (laughs) pretty direct culture clash there for sure so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but uh, I say it was my number eight and uh, you know I mean that Kansas State could easily be like number four you know it's just there's a lot of movement there but I think overall athletics the fact that you know, the Kansas state kind of has a ceiling as a football program, uh, which is really unfortunate. Like if Kansas state ended up in the American conference, that would be a tragedy. Um, so anyways, we'll see how it plays out, but. All right. 
Adam, this has been fun. Appreciate the time, man. Um, everybody go give Adam a follow on Twitter. It's at Adam Lunt 817. Maybe we can coax him into starting up a new Oklahoma State podcast. We'll see if this is, uh, has reinvigorated him and, and spurred him into <laughs> wanting to hop back behind the mic on a regular basis. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll be bringing him here on the show on a, as much as we can during the season to talk Oklahoma State. I don't think anybody breaks it down as well as he does. So, Adam, again, this has been very cathartic, and I appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And hopefully the next time we're talking, we uh, we have a, a little bit more um, concrete details to discuss. And hopefully it's all all very positive. So. Podcast Network.